listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. And the first words of that verse, I hear the Savior say that I strength indeed a small child of weakness, watch and pray and find in me your all in all. I think a lot of what we're gonna be talking about tonight uh, is, is really tied in to the truths of what we just sang. So I'm thankful for David and the worship team for leading us in that way. Hey, a few things, uh, two things I wanna share with you before we dive in. And one, this is kind of selfishly, what I wanna let you know is uh, there have been uh, lots of meetings happening and discussion. And one thing I just wanna uh, give you just to look forward to and be hopeful about um, is that it's looking like a goal of ours, something we're thinking like this is very likely is that early mid-June, we're gonna be able to gather back together as the journey ministry. And we're gonna be unfolding what that looks like. We just want you to be encouraged and looking forward to that. And for some of you that may feel like a, a long ways away, we understand that. Um, but man, I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I heard a sermon the other day. I think it's a good way of thinking about it that you know a month from now, so much things are gonna be brighter looking better in a month even after that like things are just going to be looking really good for all of us so I want you to be encouraged by that um, another thing is if you would just be praying uh, for my wife Caitlin and I um, we are expecting our, our baby to, to come uh, el baby as Zach Calderon likes to to call her um May 10th, that's uh, Mother's Day. And uh, that would be really cool if that happened because it would be 5, 10, 20, it'd be a great birthday. But, but also uh, if we've just learned this week that if uh, it doesn't come that day that we'd be inducing very soon after that. And so pray for us. Um, I've had to begin quarant- doing quarantine. And so even with everyone kind of in this room right now, they started coming my way. I was like, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, and so definitely keeping even more than six feet away, which is incredibly awkward and fun for everybody here. Uh, but grateful for them. They've been good sports. And so just be praying for us um, in that during this exciting time uh, for us as we await our baby girl to come. I was thinking about um, our our word that we're going to use for today, our theme today, and that is joy. Last week we talked about peace. I want to talk about joy this week and, and Honestly, in preparation, I thought, why don't we just keep this theme going? And so what we're going to be doing as a journey is we're going to be going through the fruit of the Spirit kind of each and every single week until we hit all of those. And so I'm excited uh, for that, even in the, the two weeks where uh, after baby comes and I'm going to be home taking care of them, uh, Zach Calderon and, and uh, B. Hayes Hazelnut is going to be taking care of that for us. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. But tonight's theme is joy. Whenever I was in my second year of undergraduate studies at Howard Payne University, Stingham, for anybody that's a yellow jacket, not many people. Um, I had a, a professor, his name was Dr. Gary Gramling. He was a Greek professor. Um, we had to take Greek every single morning in the fall and spring semester at 8 a.m. If you wanted to have Dr. Gramling as your professor, as your teacher, you had to go and get up at 8 a.m. And so that means if you had a test that week, you were getting up at six um, just to study for that and cram. I know we all do that. But one of the things that's amazing is as early as that class was and as, as much as it doesn't sound exciting, I was always excited to go to that class. And here's why. Dr. Gramling was one of the most joyful people I have ever known and ever met. Every single morning, like without fail, every single morning he'd walk into the classroom and he'd say, Calimera, everyone. He had kind of a unique voice. He really joyful, happy guy. And Calimera means good morning in, in Greek. And we say, 
you know, cause we're still trying to wake up. And most times he would come in and want to share a devotional thought from his quiet time that he had, listen, in Greek that morning. Like it didn't matter in his reading plan if he was in the Old Testament or New Testament because in the Old Testament, there's something called the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of it. So if his reading plan was in the Old Testament, he was giving us a Devo in Greek there. If it was in the New Testament, obviously written in Greek. There you go. He, He had that down. And just to hear his insights and hear the joy that he came into class with every single morning was just absolutely incredible. And honestly, I I would always ask myself, like, what is the secret sauce to this guy's joy? Like, what's going on inside of him? Like, I I hope someday that maybe some people like see me, not not for the sake of my own glory, but just because I want to be a joyful person. I hope someone says that about me one day because he, his joy was radiant. It affected every single person in the room. And I was wondering tonight, have, have any of you ever met somebody like that? Have you encountered somebody that seems to be so joyful that you're just wondering, what is it that's going on behind the scenes? Like, how do they have access to so much joy? And that kind of leads to our question tonight. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus says these things, and that's followed with, is gonna put his joy, Jesus' joy inside of us and bring us fullness of joy. Like I'm going back and understanding these things, right? Like I wanna know what those things are. We, we know the concept when somebody is telling us something very important. Uh, Brandon alluded this uh, last Sunday in, in, in one of his illustrations, like when someone says um, and concludes with like, and yeah, that's what's gonna be on the test. You hear that in class, you're like, wait, what's gonna be on the test? Jesus is saying, hey, what I just said is the key to joy. And so what we're gonna see in John chapter 15 is the answer to this question. How can we have the joy that Jesus offers? I wanna read John 15, one through 11 for you. So let's dive in. Starting in verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So how can we have the joy that Jesus offers? We're gonna talk about four different things. First is in verses one through two. 
Jesus explains that he's the true vine. The father is the vine dresser, that every branch in, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away every branch that does bear fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. So we can have joy. We can have the joy that Jesus offers by trusting the father in seasons of pruning. And here's what I mean. He's explained the relationship. Jesus is the vine, the one we need to stay connected to, but the father is the vine dresser. He makes it very clear. Branches that don't bear fruit, things that are not good for us, he's just gonna, he's gonna take those away. They're not good for the vine. They're not beneficial. There are habits in our lives that, that God, uh, via your obedience, sometimes takes away. And sometimes God just takes them away. And that's a good thing. But also what's being explained here is that every branch that does bear fruit, he actually prunes that it may bear more fruit. And so if you look at a grapevine, which I know not a lot of us have access to, you can look it up, Google it. Uh, believe it or not, in Sweetwater, Texas, my family, we had a grapevine on the south side of our property. And if you notice when the branches are really fruitful, you need to take the grapes off because if you don't, it's just wasted. If you don't prune it and maybe kind of adjust some of the branches and kind of you know, clip some of the bad stuff off, it won't be able to bear more fruit. And what the Lord is doing for us is he's saying, you've had some fruit in this area. I'm, I'm gonna prune that so you can grow more. For me, my college years were, was a season of tremendous fruitful growth in almost every way that I can imagine. But you know what happened and what's gonna happen for just about every single one of us that, that go to college? The hope is that you what? that you graduate and that you move on and get a job and enter into early adulthood and, and start at a low entry level job that is gonna require humility and a season of learning and willing to be a team player. That's always required. But you know what? God did that with me. After I graduated, he brought me, he, he pruned me, said, you've had this really fruitful season, but I want you to grow in some other things. You've been in an environment that's perfect for growth. You've had all this great community. I'm moving you somewhere else. I'm gonna move you to Dallas. There's gonna be, you're not gonna know hardly anybody there. You're gonna have to start new relationships. You're gonna have to learn new lessons. You're gonna have to start from scratch. Nobody knows who you are. You can't bank off your reputation anymore. And that was good for me because it taught me humility and it taught me patience. And so some people hear something like that and they say, is that, isn't that kind of cruel or harsh of God to like kind of take our, our fruit from us, like take away the enjoyment? And I say, no, it's, I say it would be more cruel to let us think that we're mature in one place doing kind of the same things for our entire life whenever really there are so many areas of growth that we don't have. The reality is there's so many areas of maturity that we could grow in. And so what we need to do is we need to trust that he's doing things in our lives sometimes. You, you, you know, you've experienced this like, man, it seems like everything's going great. And then it seems like, man, this has just been really challenging. And you lean into the Lord and you ask, okay, how are you pruning me? How are you wanting to grow me? Because I, I know you can, I know you've brought me through things in the past. And so it's really his love that does this for us. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants to prune us because he knows that is so interconnected to the joy that he offers and so we can have the joy that Jesus does offer by trusting the Father in these seasons of pruning. Let's keep moving through this passage. I want you to look at verses five and six. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. 
So next, I believe that we can have the joy that Jesus offers by abiding in him. Now, abiding, if you've been in Christian circles very long, you've heard many sermons about abiding, is a very, um, I wouldn't say complex word, I said it's a very deep word. It has many ramifications for our life. And so here's just a simple definition I wanna give to you so that you can kind of use this in your thinking. This is how I think it's best defined from the Bible. I believe it's this. To abide means this, to find our rest in, place our trust in, commit our obedience to, and make our delight in Jesus. And if you just heard my phone go off, I have it on loud in case my wife calls me because baby's coming. All right. So sorry if you heard that in the recording. Let me say that again. Abide is find our rest in, place our trust in, commit our obedience to, and make our delight in Jesus. Sounds a lot like our vision, doesn't it? Find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. And so in verse five and six, the, the vine and branch relationship, Jesus explains it very clearly. The relationship that we have with Jesus if we're apart from him, would be about as useful as a branch that's not attached to the vine. It's not bearing fruit. It shrivels up, it, it dies, and it might as well be thrown into the fire. It's not, it's not useful. Caveat here. I do believe that it is true. And some of you wondering why you bring this up. I believe it's true that when we you see the words burned up in fire, a lot of times in the Bible, that's talking about hell because hell is a very real thing. And that is it an eternal punishment for those apart from God? I believe that what Jesus is talking about here specifically is not a matter of salvation. I think what he's talking about is it's in our works, in our Christian life. If we act and live apart from Jesus, the vine, we, we can do nothing. He's describing the, the fruitlessness of our lives and our works, our branches to be thrown away. And so I don't want you to be fearful now. Like, what, what is he talking about? Like, if, if, I don't, if I don't do good, I'm losing my salvation. No, no, no. Jesus accomplished your salvation for you on the cross. And what we're talking about here is living the Christian life. And the other side of that is I would tell you, why, why would you, I, I still use this verse to enter my life and give me some tension. I want it to motivate me and say, I do want to live a fruitful life. And so just wanted to clarify that. And so the, visit, the, the picture here is that in the way a branch can do nothing apart from the vine, we need to see that we can do nothing fruitful or of value apart from abiding in Jesus. When our baby girl comes, she's going to need milk. She's going to need that to live. And in a very practical sense, she's going to need that for fruitful growth. Like we want her to grow. I don't want her to be short like me. I want her to be tall like Caitlin. All right, that's fair, right? I want her to grow. She needs milk for that. Again, in the same way, we need to see that relationship that Jesus describes that we can literally do nothing if we're not placing or finding our rest in, placing our trust in, committing our obedience to and making our delight in Jesus. In terms of spiritual growth and Christian living, it's like branches to be thrown away if we're not abiding in him. And some of us will say, I feel like I've accomplished a lot in my life and I haven't even been abiding in the way you described. And my response to you, again, I think Jesus has so much more. Remember, remember in verse 11, this is the whole premise of this entire talk, so don't miss it. Jesus said these things in verse 11 are the key to fullness of joy. So I'm, I'm tonight for myself, for all of us in this room, I don't want us to just be doing okay. I, I want to tap into what Jesus is talking about when he says fullness of joy. Bear in mind the context of when Jesus is saying these words, he is about to die on the cross. 
This is the night before he's about to die on the cross. His disciples know he's told them, I'm leaving soon. And this brother, (laughs) brother, Jesus, he is talking about joy, fullness of it. In an hour where everyone knew that was there with him, something not good is about to happen. You could say in a season or time of suffering. And so Jesus speaks about fullness of joy in this. So what I want to encourage you to lean into is that we can be doing all right. We can be surviving, but I think the Lord wants us to thrive, to have fullness of joy. I think tonight, if we're content with a lukewarm Christian life, this truth is not for us. But if we realize that Jesus offers us so much more abundance of joy, Let's continue leaning into that tonight. And so how can we have the joy that Jesus offers? What's the secret sauce? Another thing is that we can have the joy that Jesus offers by abiding in him. There's two more things I don't want us to miss tonight. Look at verse seven. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So we can have the joy that Jesus offers by praying with confidence. Now look, look at the simplicity of this verse. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Like it's going to be done. He says, I'm going to give you what you ask. Here's the caveat. If you're abiding in him, if Jesus's words are in you, like look at your, your Bible right now and look at it in all of God's word, if they're abiding in you, if you're living your life in form with scripture, you know what you're not gonna do? You're not gonna be filling your prayers with things that are not aligned with the will of God. You're not gonna ask anything against his will if his word is abiding in you and it's producing in you the fruit and maturity that Jesus is talking about here. So when I was little, um, and you've done this too, Um, your parents or whoever raised you, I would ask them for a lot of things, right? Ice cream truck goes by, I want some ice cream, right? A new video game comes out, I want that. I want this bike, I want that. A lot of my conversations that I initiated with my parents were asking them for things, right? But you know what? Now as I'm older and growing and more mature, you know what I want? I just wanna sit with my parents. Like, I just wanna enjoy them. Like, I want to ask them questions. Like, I'm entering into a new season of life, like being a parent. I just want to talk to them and listen to them and let them pour wisdom into me. I want to enjoy fellowship with my parents. And I think that's what happens with us as we grow and mature. Like, we kind of transition out of this time where we're just always asking God for stuff less and less. And we begin asking Him for just Him more and more. It's because we know that in Him is the fullness of joy. Like it's good to ask God for things as his children, but primarily as we grow and mature, we just want him. We just want to sit and, and talk with him. It's the Mary and Martha scenario. Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Mary's chosen the good portion. She's chosen to, sat, to sit at my feet. And some of us were like, man, I feel like I do ask for good things. I have asked for good things and, and God hasn't answered. Like they, it's not been selfish. I've prayed for good things. I've prayed for healing of, of grandparents. I've prayed for those that had cancer. I've prayed for COVID-19 to go away and it still hasn't. And again, what I want to tell you is asking God for things is not bad. 
It's actually really, really good. It's an indicator. Every time you pray to God, you know what you're saying to God? You're saying, I believe that you are the one that can do something about this problem. You've come to, you're acknowledging you've come to the end of yourself. Lord, you're the one that can answer this prayer. You're the one that can take care of this. So don't stop praying. Don't be discouraged if you're like, my prayers are immature. That's okay. Keep praying to God, but here's the difference. I believe as we also grow and mature, we understand that it's not about God's ability, okay? It's not about his ability to answer the prayer, which he always can. He spoke and the world became a thing. He's got it, I'm sure. It's about trusting as we pray. It's about trusting Romans 8, that he's working all things for the good of those who love him. It's about believing that he's accomplishing something sometimes bigger than we can ask or know. It's about believing that we're, even though we're so sure that this needs to happen, that if he doesn't answer in the way we want, probably five years from now, we're going to look back and th- say, thank you, God. Thank you for not <laughs> answering the prayer in that way. You were so wise and you were so smart. And so I think maybe this prayer looks like this. For whatever you're praying for, you can say, God, I know you have the ability. That, that's the confidence. God, I know you have the ability, but I'm going to trust you with how you choose to answer this prayer. I know that you, for example, want to save my lost family members. I know that's according to your will. You want salvation in the name of Jesus to be known, but I'm trusting your timing and your ways right now. I know you are the author of goodness, and you're accomplishing so much, but I'm gonna trust what exactly that looks like and how you manifest that in my life right now. How can we have the joy that Jesus offers? We can have the joy that Jesus offers by praying with confidence. It's not a name it and claim it. It's praying with confidence according to the will of God as his words abide in you and you abide in him. One last truth from tonight, verse eight in John chapter 15 Jesus says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I love this. We can have the joy that Jesus offers by bearing fruit to the glory of God. Three words, glorified, very important. Our lives are for the glory of God, not the glory of self. All that you do and you're living and you're dying as a Christian is to the glory of God and everything in between. Bearing fruit. Our purpose, when we say our purpose is found in Jesus, it is that we may be people that bear fruit. And guess what that does when we're connected to those two things, when we're uttermost concerned about the glory of God through our fruit bearing, making the name of Jesus known, what it does is it proves we're disciples. It proves to a lost and dying world and the father looks upon us with gladness and said, these are mine. Look at, look at my children. Look at them following Jesus. Some of my most joyful moments in life, believe it or not, have been on the mission field, even like hard places. Why is that? Why have I always lived in a first world country and go to a third world country to share the gospel and the conditions are bad and I'm having to eat food that I don't want, not sleeping well or at all. And it's been some of the most joyful moments in my life. I think it's because in those places, 
I am intentionally using my time, my energy, all of my resources and putting them into what is ultimate. And that is bearing gospel fruit to the glory of God. I think that's what was the key to Dr. Gramling, my Greek teacher's door. I think he was bearing fruit by pouring into future ministers of the gospel, equipping them to go out and do just a little bit of what I'm doing right now, that he found joy in it. That's what he was doing. He was equipping the saints for the work of ministry. That's Ephesians chapter four. That's why it's so important that we're using our lives to tell others about Jesus. It actually does two things. It, it glorifies God, but in the way that God has wired and designed us, get this, that's how you have joy because you're doing what you were created to do. Isn't that amazing? Like not only is it obedience, not only does it glorify God, but it brings you joy to do this. And sadly, for some of us, we say things like, I don't feel like I need to share the gospel. I think that's for pastors. I think that's for certain people that are specifically gifted in that way. And there are people that are very uniquely gifted at that. I've, I've met them. I don't think that I'm one of them. I've seen people with the gift of evangelism. They say, I'm just gonna be a good Christian. I'm just gonna do my thing. There's a problem with that. To be a good, fruitful, faithful Christian is to bear gospel fruit of some kind in your life, even if it's just proclaiming it to your family and it falls on deaf ears. It's, it glorifies God because that's what disciples of Jesus do. If you wanna see the evidence, Jesus' disciples are hearing in person, like real time, the words that Jesus is saying right here in this passage, they're hearing it. And so the evidence that this is true, what we're saying is that they listen to these words. We're here today. We're talking about the same truth. And you know why? It's because they decided to listen to the words of Jesus and bear fruit to his glory. And we're benefiting from thousands and thousands of years of faithful, fruit-bearing followers of Christ who have used their life to the glory of God to share the name of Jesus. We're benefiting from that. And what I want you to step into so joyfully is think about if you chose to be living your life that way, who's gonna be benefiting from what you chose to do 100 years from now, 200 years from now? Hopefully it's not that much long before Jesus comes back. I'm ready. I don't know about you. Some days right now, I'm, I'm like ready. But who's gonna benefit from your obedience and fruit bearing even five years from now, 10 years from now? Because we're standing on the shoulders of men and women who have been so faithful in doing exactly what Jesus said, glorifying the Father by bearing much fruit and proving to be his disciples. How can we have the joy that Jesus offers? We can have the joy that he gives us. The, what's going on behind the scenes is that we can have it by bearing fruit to his glory. I'm honestly wondering for some of you if maybe you're not quite bought in yet. And what I mean is that maybe you're still a little bit hesitant to embrace that what is being said tonight, which I believe is just kind of translating what Jesus is saying in the modern language. Maybe you're hesitant to embrace that as true, to trust the things that Jesus has said actually is the key to fullness of joy. If that's you, I especially want you to lean in 
to the psalm we're about to read. We're gonna read Psalm 16. If that's not you, if you're bought in, this is all the more reason to listen to the words of Jesus tonight. I'm gonna read all of Psalm 16 for us, and we're gonna focus on the last verse. This is David. It's titled, You Will Not Abandon My Soul. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. Sorry. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What, what did Jesus say in John 15, 11? He said, in me, you will have fullness of joy. Psalm 16, 11, what does it say? It says, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. I, I just have a suspicion. I think Jesus himself, the author and creator of life, in all knowledge and wisdom, I think that he knew Psalm 16. I'm just gonna go out on a, on a limb and, and say that. I think he knew what he was talking about. For those of you that are unbelievers to you, I say this. Some of you have never experienced true joy because you don't know the one who for the joy set before him died for you on the cross that you might know the fullness of joy, of forgiveness and reconciliation to God. If you're honest and you've had some happy days, but those days and your joy has been driven by your circumstances. If things are up, you're up. If things are down, you're down. You've never known the joy that Jesus himself offers tonight. He's the one who gladly died for you that you might be saved. His name is Jesus. He's the divine purchaser of your soul and the guarantor of your everlasting joy. And so what I invite you to do tonight is to believe in him and step into a life of eternal, unshakable joy found only in him. And for believers, both new and seasoned of every age tonight, if everything we've talked about has not impacted you, I want you to hear Psalm 16. I invite you to believe and embrace that being in the presence of Jesus, just him, just in him, that is fullness of joy. He is the reward. It's him sitting with him, having a relationship with him, abiding in him, finding your rest in, placing your trust in, committing your obedience and making your delight in him. Finding your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. That is fullness of joy. The one who promises joy is the same one who makes joy possible. So trust 
in the Lord during seasons of pruning. Abide in him daily. Pray with confidence to him. Bear fruit in your life to his glory and find fullness of joy in his presence in him and him alone. Let's pray. God, we give this time to you. We know and understand that in you and you alone is fullness of joy. We're actually going to sing to you the words of Psalm 16 as a response of praise. Some people for the first time in their life may be acknowledging you as the one that holds fullness of joy. And for many of us, it's a reminder and a refresher. We're going to declare the truth that in you, in your presence, just having you is joy. It is the best life being with you, having you. We pray this in your precious, beautiful name. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.